Good morning. Welcome to Ironman. Uh, I see that we've got still people logging in. If this is your first time attending any one of the Ironman events, if you could find the place on your on your uh, screen there where you could raise your hand, I'd love to recognize you. So I'll give you a second to do that. I see Rick and Philip and Lindy and David, Craig, see you, good to have you. Uh, Susan, good to see you. Uh, Eduardo, I see you. David Smith, got you there. Um, Mernie, Lindy, probably messing up some of your names. Pam, I see you. Excellent. Ashley, if I missed you, I apologize. Uh, but um, it's so great to have you guys be a part of Ironman. Let me give you a little bit of history. Uh, we started Ironman myself and a small group of men a little over 10 years ago in my home. And, um, and about five years ago, we took Ironman public here on the west side over here in Winter Garden. And um, we really stand for three things, learn, love, and lead. The learn is learn so that you can explain what you believe, especially for most of us. We are a men's ministry. Uh, this is a unique event because I do see some women there. I see uh, Tammy Mears, I see you. Um, but we, uh, we, we traditionally are a men's ministry. Uh, but because of the nature of this particular topic and the fact that we're virtual, uh, we said, yeah, allow some iron women of God to also join us. So welcome to all the ladies that are joining us this morning. I did look at the audience and it's about 98% men. So welcome all you men and uh, welcome ladies to also join us. But the learn part was, you know, a challenge for all men to be able to learn what they believe so they could explain it in their mission field. And for most of us, our main mission field, uh, besides our family, is the place where we work. And then love, which is the second part, love others, starting with our brides. So ladies, primarily this morning, you're gonna hear me speaking mostly to the men. Um, so uh, because this is a men's ministry, you'll, you'll hear my heart related to what we're doing for men. So loving, starting with our brides, uh, we're encouraging guys to just love their wives like Christ loved the church. And then when we're put in a place of leadership to lead the way that Jesus led, which is leading as a servant. Uh, so about five years ago, we started this concept of Ironman Coffee, which is what you're attending now. And it's the last Friday of each month, which is a typically we meet above Oxum Coffee over in downtown Winter Garden. Um, but about uh, when COVID hit in March, uh, Mike Tozy, who's our host behind the scenes, he's the gentleman that's actually managing this platform. And uh, just a shout out for Mike as a volunteer. Thank you so much, Mike, because I know you're in California. And uh, so California time is about 4 a.m. over there. So thank you, Mike, for hosting this morning. I appreciate what you're doing there. Um, so about five years ago, we launched this concept called Ironman Coffee. And so the last Friday of each month, we would gather and we would facilitate a great speaker. Well, this year, uh, the speaker um, had a conflict and for this particular month. So we pivoted. And so you're stuck with me. I'm your speaker this morning, uh, but we actually have a great panel uh, that I'm gonna be navigating this morning. So each month we navigate a speaker, we host a speaker uh, that speaks on a particular topic. And this year in particular, we're using the book from Pat Williams called Character Carved in Stone, uh, which has been a great book. And uh, so far this year, we've talked about these character attributes that are carved in stone on these benches at West Point. So we've talked about compassion, courage, dedication, determination, dignity, discipline, and uh, integrity is what we're gonna be focusing on today. Um, I'm actually gonna weave the concept of integrity uh, into integrity, respect, and rescue. So we're gonna actually have three parts of it today as we facilitate the conversation. But I thought I would begin this morning uh, real quick by just reading an element uh, out of this section of integrity, of the chapter of integrity from Pat Williams' book, Character Carved in Stone. So bear with me real quick. A leader does not simply give orders. Great leaders must give the right orders make the right decisions and take the right actions and inspire and motivate their followers. That is why great leaders need good character. 
Their decisions and actions need to be rooted in traits of courage, honesty, and integrity. Leadership is based on trust, and people trust leaders that have proven integrity. We build our integrity moment by moment, year after year, by making moral decisions and speaking the truth. We strengthen our integrity by repeatedly doing the right thing, even when we don't have to, even when no one is watching. The English word integrity comes from the Latin word integer, which means whole or complete. In mathematics, an integer is a number without a fractional part. In the same way, a person of integrity is a whole or complete, not divided or carmental. Car car They're not put into sections. A person of integrity will be the same person in public than he is in private. The inner reality will match the outward reputation. So this morning, my friend Andy Jones is gonna be joining me. Andy, if you wanna go ahead and turn on your camera there. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Andy. Man, you always look so good. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. It's early in the morning, my friend. <laughs> it's nice to see you this morning. Um, you. Well, welcome. I know you're going to be opening us up in prayer, but before you do, I thought I'd share with the audience that the main goal for this morning, as we talk about integrity, especially around the topic of human trafficking, is number one, make the audience aware of what's actually happening in our community. And I'm talking about in Orange County and in Seminole County in particular. We'd like to recognize the great work that police officers are doing within our community. And I know that you're, you're the chaplain for yes. the city of Windermere, also the city of Oakland, and hopefully soon to be uh, the city of Winter Garden. And, um, and then the third thing is what action can citizens, just plain old people like me, Andy, what can we do to help in the fight here locally? So as, as we begin this morning, brother, I just, I gotta tell you, you're one of my best friends, you know that. And, I, and I'm proud to see the fact that you're wearing uh, your chaplain uniform this morning. And uh, my co our co-host this morning had an emergency, uh, Chief Dave Ogden, uh, that he had to respond to in, this, in the town of Windermere. So he's not gonna be able to make it this morning, unfortunately. He, he texts me at 4.30 and he said, man, I've got an emergency that I need to respond to alongside my other guys and I'm not gonna be able to make it so you're gonna fly solo. So what does a leader do? A leader steps up and says, I'm willing to fly solo. But then I reached out to you about 15 minutes ago and I said, Andy, I need you to be my co-host. So thank you. Another awesome leader in my life, bro. Appreciate you. Well, thank you for trusting me, David. I appreciate that. Why don't you open us up in prayer and we'll get started. I definitely would. Lord, I'm going to remind gentlemen, if you would just join me, please, in prayer. And ladies. Lord, I'm reminded of the song we just heard. You are a rescue story. And uh, I thank you so very much for rescuing us today. I'm also reminded that uh, your commission to us was to go out and make disciples of men and women and teaching them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, with the conversation that's going to happen today, we just ask you to take these words, take these gentlemen's expertise that are happening within their uh, sphere of influence, that you would educate us to be even a more effective a member of your body to be able to share the gospel to be able to help these young women that are trapped in these situations that have been forced in these situations that we can be a part of their rescue story but father as we talk about leadership we also know that you are the greatest leader that we will ever have the greatest example that we should ever follow so lord we leave this to you to grow in us what you desire for us to do that we can be those lights on a hill, the men and women that you called us to be, to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to set the captives free, only because of your work that you do inside of us. We ask these things humbly in your name. Amen. Amen. Andy, before you and I co-host our panel, we have a short uh, video that we're going to show to everybody. So you and I will turn down our camera and, and mute our mics. and. Uh, and then Mike, I know you've got the video queued up. Um, guys, as you watch this video, uh, my daughter, Brooke, she actually put it together. Uh, when she was a senior in high school, 
she actually she did a series uh, so you'll actually see a series of paintings that she did uh, this is the last one that's on there and it was all on human trafficking that was her concentrated work that she did uh, before she graduated from the first academy so mike go ahead and let's play that video andy and uh, we'll just go ahead and turn our cameras off and mute ourselves there massive nationwide sex trafficking bust 281 people arrested 168 children rescued across more than 100 u.s cities officers credit an increase in education and awareness leading to 38 arrests here in central florida last year 11 children rescued from the nightmare of sex trafficking right here in metro detroit girls aren't the only victims of sex trafficking statistics show an increase in young boys who are exploited too. More than 70 women who were rescued from a house in Lemoto claim to have been kept under duress. Three women have been arrested in what is suspected to be a human trafficking ring. Dozens of women and children saved from prostitution and slavery. 84 underage boys and girls forced into prostitution. A girl and two women have been rescued after being forced to work as sex slaves. Police say they've rescued three women. A teen-year-old girl is rescued in Compton. At least 40 suspected victims of human trafficking. Three young children are safe tonight after being rescued from sex trafficking operations in Charlotte. They rescued 26 women, victims of sex trafficking. You are not hidden. As a result of a three-day sweep by a human trafficking task force. There's never been a moment you were forgotten. You are not home. A 14-year-old girl is now back with her family after deputies say she was you lured into prostitution. You're after a nationwide I hear you whisper and I just wanted the dog. And I started to just think that maybe I deserved this. I hear your SOS, your SOS. They talked to me like I was garbage. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the dark. It's true, I will rescue Human trafficking is a $32 billion a year industry globally. There is no distance It cannot be covered over and over You're not defenseless I'll be a shelter I'll be your
go ahead and turn on your camera, Andy. I can't, um, I can't watch oh. that. Each time I do, um, I get really emotional. I do, especially being a dad of daughters. And I know yeah. you're a dad of daughters too. And, and uh, yesterday, and a son. Yesterday, uh, as I was handing out these cards, there's actually 14 businesses yesterday that are going to be carrying these postcards. And if you go into any of these businesses, DG Donuts, Harold's, Ace Hardware, Tim's Wine Market, uh, they're all carrying these cards. And these are postcards that Ironman sponsored. And it's just a small way for us in the community to grab one of these postcards, uh, write a note of thank you, put a stamp on it, drop it in the mail to the town of Windermere. Uh, we did the town of Windermere and the town of Winter Garden. So all these businesses are there. But as I was doing this yesterday, Andy, I was driving out of Windermere and there's a whole line of us that were leaving Windermere. And it was like during the five o'clock period. And these two police officers were running or driving with their sirens on and their lights on towards whatever was going on. And, and I couldn't think about, I couldn't help but think about this video of how police officers run towards the chaos where the vast majority of us are going away from the chaos and what life would be like without our officers in our community. And, uh, and I'm thankful for you too, man, as a chaplain, you know, you're pouring into these officers, the things that they see and so forth. So should we get started right in our panel? Yes, sir. I think it is. Um, and uh, David, before we do, I just want to thank you. For, uh, thank our daughter, uh, Brooke, <laughs> for this beautiful video she did and what a, an a talented young lady she is. And as a father of uh, two girls and, and, a, and a son, it breaks my heart to see to see that. And I want to thank you also for sending out those postcards because it's uh, one of those things that you just get an encouraging message from somebody to let them know that they're not alone and what they're doing is not in vain. It really makes a huge, a huge difference. So, yeah, I think we should introduce a panel. Go for it. Yeah, right and and it's, it's cool, Andy, that our daughters, Gracie and Brooke, are becoming really best friends. You know, I love that. All right. Well, the first panelist is Greg Snyder. Greg, why don't you go ahead and turn on your camera and your mic? You there, David? Wow, we are here. Hey, morning. look at you, man. You look good this morning. Hello, David. Good to see you. Good to see you, Greg. Okay. Uh, I, well, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I'm over on the east side of town in, uh, in Winter Springs. I don't think we've invested in our, in our internet speed and stability like I should have so I've kind of lost the video but anyway let me do the audio hopefully you guys can see me but uh, and I'll catch up um, I've had the pleasure of working with many of you on this call in Iron Man of God in lots of ways attending monthly coffees uh, attending Iron Man Connect leading a group of men to Guatemala to visit Prince of Peace for Girls being a recipient of the generosity of Iron Man and God on behalf of Prince of Peace. And I was even challenged last year, David talked me into speaking on Ecclesiastes 3 and the seasons of life. On the personal side of my life, I've been married for nearly 40 years. We have one daughter who has served the Prince of Peace as a missionary and is now going to grad school. I am recently retired from Siemens in what David calls my rewirement phase, where I'm working to balance my life between ministry mainly in the areas of helping vulnerable women and children and in hunger relief, consulting, uh, family and fun. So that's, that's who I am. Awesome. Greg, it's nice to have you back and uh, appreciate how you've uh, challenged me and stretched me. You certainly have done the Proverbs 2717, iron sharpens iron in my life. Tomas, are you out there? Tomas Lars, go ahead and turn on your camera and join us. Tomas, good to see you this morning. As well. Give us a one minute of uh, who you are and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so uh, my name is Tomas Lars. I am originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Came down to go to Southeastern University in Lakeland and never left Florida because I found out it was warm during the winter. And so uh, I've been here. Uh, for, uh, since the 90s and here in Central Florida 
And so uh, really, you know, started my career when I first hit the ground in, in Lakeland. Uh, my first job was Big Brothers Big Sisters and started seeing abused children. And I, I know we'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, long story short, I, I'm the founder and president of now of United Abolitionists, formerly Florida Abolitionists, uh, based here in uh, Winter Park, our headquarters. And uh, just really have the privilege of uh, uh, leading this organization. And uh, I got involved in 2004 in the fight against human trafficking. And so I just celebrate 16 years and uh, looking forward to the next 16 years to uh, stop uh, these, uh, the traffickers and help as many victim survivors as possible. So it's great to be uh, part of this uh, Iron Men of God this morning. Excellent. Hey, it's nice to meet you. And you and I met through a mutual friend, uh, Sandy and Jane Shugart. And Jane yes. Shugart has worked alongside your ministry for many, many years doing the backpacks and such. So, yes. uh, and I know that you're also affiliated with uh, Greg's ministry, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Uh, Sergeant Bakeman, you out there? Go ahead and turn on your camera and your mic. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Sergeant. How you doing? Nice to see Very you. Very good. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a one minute on who you are? All right. Well, my name is Brad Bakeman. I'm a sergeant with the Orlando Police Department. I've been there for 13 years now. Um, I'm currently assigned to the Metropolitan Bureau of Investigations. Uh, for those of you who do not know what that is, it's a multi-jurisdictional uh, task force here in Orange County and um, Osceola County to handle all of the organized crime in the Ninth Circuit. Um, I'm relatively new to the game. I came over here in December, um, but I have contacts such as Tomas and our next participant who I've leaned on heavily to uh, keep me keep me up to speed and uh, teach me everything I need to know to fight the good fight here. Awesome. Thank you for having We're me. Proud to, proud to host you this morning, Sergeant. Thank you for being a part. Now our next, our next, before uh, Detective Edwards turns on his mic, I was talking to Tomas and I said, Tomas, I, I think I understand what your organization does. I said, but it would really be great for us to have a police officer or two on this panel, because I really wanna highlight the great work that officers do in conjunction with ministries like you. And he says, you've got to meet, you've got to meet Detective Edwards, Maurice Edwards, you've got to meet him. So I, I had a call with, uh, the, uh, Detective Edwards and we just hit it off and this man's got a heart for God and uh, after I chatted with him I said who else is headed in up Orange County and then uh, Detective Edwards said you've got to reach you know reach sergeant and I so that's how the connections all happened this morning I just thought I would share with that with the audience so Detective it's good to have you this morning nice to see you thank, again. I thank you I appreciate tell us, it. Little, tell us a little bit about you uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Maurice Edwards. I'm a detective with Seminole County Sheriff's Office. I've been there for 15 years, and I've been a detective for over 30 years. Uh, I'm also the chair of Seminole County Human Trafficking Task Force. I work hand-in-hand, -hand, of course, with uh, Sergeant Bateman. And he, um, you know, you said he's new, but he's extremely experienced. So <laughs> so he's, he's kind of hard on himself, but I can go to him for um, certain things as well. So, but um, uh, so how I got into human trafficking was we were um, working a case where we continue on recovering a missing juvenile. Uh, she was in an area where uh, commercial sex take place, and we covered her there twice. And uh, you know, working in conjunction with NBI, we was able to identify her and uh, figure out our first case, and we made it work and stick. And, and uh, seven years later, you know, we still fighting a great fight. So thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome to host you this morning. All right, well, let's kick it off. And I'm going to start with um, Greg Snyder. Greg, you and I have been friends for a number of years, and you invited me and my family into the story of Prince of Peace, um, which is a, which is a safe haven for rescued kids a lot of times. And so this transition that you have made recently to uh, establish an organization called Safe Central Florida, Tell us a little bit about that organization, because I think it's it's important for the conversation today to understand that there is there is an issue that's happening here in Orange County and Seminole County 
and tell us a little bit about what Safe Central Florida is doing to make a difference. Sure, thanks, David. Well, SAFE stands for the Strategic Alliance to Fight Exploitation, and it's just that. We're, we're, we're uh, not a nonprofit. Um, we're an alliance of what we call cause-focused partners and cause-focused champions, and we want to marry the two and to, to bring resources to the fight. We found that many of the partners, the nonprofits, and the organizations are underfunded, under-resourced and somewhat isolated, and they're not really able to make the impact that they desire that they pour their hearts into. And we've also found that many potential champions are unaware of the problem of sex trafficking here locally. Um, they're uneducated about what to do about it, and we're gonna hear about that from some of our other uh, people this morning. And, and, they're, and they're unengaged. So we wanna be a group, SAFE wants to be a group that facilitates collaboration and community organizes an uh, advisory council of very uh, uh, smart people that are already in the fight to strategize solutions and then bring the champions and their resources to the story. So it's a collaboration between people in the field and people with financial and intellectual resources to help people like you see the other people in the, in, on the screen here that are actually in the field uh, be more effective where we, where we can possibly help. And Greg, what's your website is, tell us, remind us. Mike, you can go ahead and bring that screenshot up. SafeCentralFlorida.com. And it's, uh, if you guys are... Safe Central. Yeah. Right. If, you, if anybody would like to take a screenshot, this is an opportunity for you to do that on your phones or your tablets. Uh, you can go ahead and take a screenshot of what you see up there. Now, Greg, when we were creating this uh, uh, panel, one of the first things I did as a resource is I looked through who your alliance partners were, and I saw that you had an alliance with uh, an organization called the United Abolitionist. And, um, and so I want to kick this over to Tomas real quick and also kind of tag team with you, Greg. How, how, how did you guys, Greg, how did you find Tomas in terms of what his organization was doing and Tell us a little bit about that alliance and, and maybe a couple of other partners that you have in your alliance. Sure. Um, well, I mean, the, the history behind this is we went to a, a couple of us went to a conference founded by our, or um, put together by National Christian Foundation. And it was talking about this alliance model where uh, nonprofits, in this case with Seattle, were partnered with people with financial resources, um, such as foundations, and, and they, they joined together to start the fight. And we decided to do the same thing here, and we'll chat about this a little bit later on, but ba basically the alliance partners are, 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 are two different groups of people. It's the nonprofits and organizations like United Abolitionists, like Brad's group and Maurice's group, people already in the fight, and uh, people that are working on prevention, intervention, and restoration. And on the champion side, alliance members, you know, like you and I, David, and foundations and Iron Man of God organizations and faith-based organizations like uh, Mosaic is very, is very involved, and Summit Church over here on the east side. And, and we just started doing research about who would be some of the best uh, alliance partners to help us organize the fight. And the first name that came up was Tomas and United Abolitionists, because he's been in this for over a decade, just doing incredible work. Ooh. All right, Tomas, uh, that's a wonderful way of positioning what you do. What is, what is human trafficking? Can you define that for us? Sure, so, um... There's the federal, you know, there's a federal law, there's a state statute here in Florida. But instead of giving you a big legal definition, um, I, I like to tell people it's really the uh, commercial exploitation of an individual for profit. That's human trafficking. So that's anytime somebody is, uh, uh, you know, there's still the rape involved. There's still the power and control uh, of the perpetrators. There's still the uh, horrible abuse uh, exploitation. But it's that commercial exploitation, right? For sex or labor, somebody's profiting from it. That that's what it, human trafficking is. Okay. And why did you get involved in the fight? What what what's your why did you start 
United Abolition. I think it started as Florida Abolitionist, but why did you even get started in this? Well, I had already, you know, my first job, 18 years old in Lakeland, Florida, was the big brother and big sister. You know, here I, my undergrad is psychology, um, and I was just from almost day one coming to Florida, I started seeing abused children. Um, didn't know at the time it was really domestic minor sex trafficking of these children. Um, this was back in the 90s. So I really feel like God was preparing me all these years. I, after Southeastern, uh, I ended up working in Brevard County on the Space Coast with Circles of Care. Uh, started going into the schools because the elementary schools um, could not handle what was occurring with behavioral problems. And, um, and the teachers were overwhelmed. And so there as well, there was what we didn't know at the time, there was children being sold even by their parents for drugs. Um, and so that, you know, God was preparing me all those years. And then in 2004, uh, on a trip to DC, I that uh, at that time, US Senator Sam Brownback, he became governor of Kansas and now is Ambassador Brownback. Um, but he introduced me to the issue of human trafficking. And I came back to Central Florida and said, I have to do something about this. And I, I've had those years of experience in the, in the child welfare system. And uh, this was just the next step into uh, helping the, these children, these, these men and women. When, when you say United Abolitionists, it used to be Florida, right? And so you're a national organization now, right? So we have last year, uh, we expanded. Um, a good friend of mine for 25 years has an office in uh, Costa Mesa, Orange County, California. And so we are expanding there. We've been a little bit delayed because of COVID-19 and what was going to roll out. But we we really want to scale what, um, just my experience in the last 16 years with the uh, organization, the nonprofit for the last decade, of what models work, how, how to put together a task force, uh, how do we run a 24-7 hotline, and we want to really equip other people. Um, I also, too, David, have a, a real burden to uh, disciple, raise up uh, the next generation of modern-day abolitionists, we call it, because we need uh, our young people in this fight um, uh, more than ever. Define for us an abolitionist. So an abolitionist is somebody who wants to see the abolition of slavery and if many of you uh, think of some of our, our great forefathers and foremothers, William Wilberforce, um, really recommend the movie Amazing Grace, if you haven't seen that, how the, uh, the British Empire abolished the slave trade. Um, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, President Abraham Lincoln, um, and one of my heroes is, is actually uh, John Adams, who was the only founder of, of this nation who refused to own a slave. So he practiced what he preached. He was a man of integrity. And um, so an abolitionist is somebody who doesn't want, uh, wants to abolish the, the slavery. And, you know, if there's modern slavery, there's there, God always raises up a remnant. So there's modern day abolitionists. That's why I picked the name. Um, none of my friends and everyone said, Tomas, don't call it, call your organization Free the Slaves or, or some other name. And uh, I just really felt like, you know, that, uh, that word abolitionist had to be reborn and rebirth. And now across the the nation and, and world, many organizations are using the term abolitionist. Wow, that is, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. David, I don't wanna get us off track here, but I, I the, the question just keeps coming back to my mind again and again. How do we inform the public of these? And I know that you may cover this and if that's what we're gonna do later on, um, we'd love to hear that, but as a, as a father, as a husband, regardless of my position as a chaplain, these things are not just brought to the forefront of my mind um, or something I think average day. So how do we just, how do we just put an attack on this as a public? Yeah, so let's talk about what the issue is and the magnitude of the issue, Andy, okay. to your point. Um, Detective Edwards, when you're thinking about Seminole County, help me understand the magnitude of the issue that's happening specifically in Seminole County, and then we'll kick it over to uh, Sergeant Bakeman to talk about Orange County. So you know what's crazy about it is that Seminole County is not a, you know, a large county. Um, however, we continue on having uh, a great deal of human trafficking cases. And so, you know, what I try to explain to people, if Seminole County is not such a large um, county, and we generate 
and uh, you know we have a lot of human trafficking investigations and cases there, then what's different from our little county and counties throughout the whole state of Florida, right? And we go back to us recognizing what human trafficking is, us educating our first responders, and what's more important is to educate our communities, right, on what is human trafficking and a human trafficking do occur. So by doing that, we're able to generate cases through education and awareness. And by generating cases, then uh, therefore we can rescue those survivors and those victims, you know, throughout our community. Meaning that if, if you have a small county like Seminole and I have a case, well, lately it's, it seems like almost every week, um, but my cases come from people like you all who decided to come here and to learn about human trafficking. And once you finish this, you have a, a clear mind what human trafficking is, hopefully, or know how to uh, educate yourself further to learn more about human trafficking. So in Seminole County, we also have a, a great um, community leaders who uh, recognize we have a problem, and they decided that we're going to go forward, and we're going to fight it, and we're going to do everything we can. Meeting my sheriff, he um, he sat down with me because the community was crying out to him, saying, hey, what are you doing about human trafficking? And then he called me into the office, and I sat down with him, and I said, Sheriff, this is what human trafficking is. This is what your detective and your, um, you know, your organization have been working. And I gave him examples of cases that were happening in his county. And, and, and he looked at me, he sat back in his chair, and he said, wow, like I didn't know. You know, he felt like a, you know, he felt so guilty because he didn't know. You know, he thought it was just someone getting, you know, abducted and then sold to somebody else. But he had no idea that, that, that his kids were vulnerable to it, right? He had no idea that just regular uh, structured households are vulnerable to it. And when I explained to him, you know, this is what we work in. Like, this is the case that's been going on in your community. And he sat back and looked at me and he said, whatever you need to keep fighting this, you got it. Right? And, 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 he, and he sat back and he, you know, he said that to me and he was very proud of what we do. And also how I was able to get the sheriff involved in the municipalities throughout the whole county involved is by being the chair of our task force as law enforcement chair you know, of a community task force. I was able to encourage them to reach out to their leaders. I was able to encourage them to reach out to their um, chiefs within their municipal, within their cities, the municipalities, and reach out to the sheriff and to flood them with information, say, what are you doing to fight this? With the commissioners, with all your leaders, what are you doing to fight this? Because we have a problem. And while doing that, we bring awareness and then we able to use have the tools we need to fight the great fight, which is to rescue the survivors and those who've been victimized throughout our communities. You know, until I started studying this topic, you know, I'm a businessman here in the community and I never thought that human trafficking was even happening in my community. And I, you know, Sergeant Bakeman, I live in Orange County. Um, what, how big is this issue in Orange County? Uh, it is a significant problem. Um, as Mo said, you know, he's got numerous cases popping up there in Seminole County where he doesn't have the tourism industry that Orange has and Osceola has. Um, you know, we have the theme parks. We have a huge convention center that's bringing in thousands of people every month that are with potential customers. Um, and I think one of the, the hardest things about human trafficking is the Internet. Um, I think people expect to see the problem right there in front of them, and it's not. Uh, using the internet, they're hiding these girls, these boys, these adults, um, which makes it very difficult for the average citizen to say, oh, that's human trafficking, or this is human trafficking. So to Detective Edwards' point, you know, it's, it's education, it's awareness. Um, I would say even the average patrol officer um, has very little knowledge of what human trafficking is. So when they come across on the street, they may treat it as simple prostitution or petty theft or whatever it may be, when there's a much bigger problem behind uh, behind the scenes. Oh. So 
we are making a push to make sure our patrol officers are aware of it. Um, and just to give you a quick little, I have a fantastic analyst that is attached to us here in MBI, and she uh, she does a fantastic job keeping stats and all that good jazz. So just to give you some numbers, uh, over the last four years, just MBI alone, we've received 879 tips uh, reference uh, human trafficking. And of those 879, the disturbing part is 636 of those tips are juveniles. Um, and that's just, like I said, I'm new to this, but as we saw in the video earlier today, um, I've got a little girl, I've got a little boy. It's hard to hear those, those numbers and hear these stories um, just the other day on a, uh, a call out and it was a 14 year old. Um, she came from a broken home, but she's 14 years old and long story short, she was trying to escape her trafficker. Um, she escaped, they found her, they were tracking her phone, pulled up to a parking lot, numerous people in this parking lot. Um, she got thrown in the back of the car, car tried to pull away. She was able to get out the back seat. And she actually pulled the trafficker out of the back seat. He reached back and was holding onto her waistband. She had such a determination, motivation to get away that she pulled him out of the back seat. There's a brief struggle in the parking lot. And still on camera, I'd say six to seven people stood there and watched her struggle as she screamed for help. Um, so it is a problem. Um, and awareness 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 we have to push it we have to raise our kids right um be involved it is definitely a problem sergeant uh, bakeman and detective edwards define for me who are the parties in a human trafficking transaction who, who, who are they uh well you have the trafficker um they're the ones that usually are the, the top dog in the organization. Um, you have the bottom, which is actually in, it's kind of funny that they're called the bottom, but they are the top prostitute or victim of that trafficker. They were at one time a victim and they're now almost now a suspect or a uh, second in charge to the trafficker. And then you obviously have the numerous victims um, and then the Johns, the customers. That's the other problem. I mean, we can we can blame this on the traffickers. We can feel terrible for these victims, but as long as there's a demand, there's going to be a supply. So I think it's also something where we need to go after the Johns because I feel they're just guilty. Um, you know, if there's not a demand for juveniles in the sex industry, then we wouldn't have this problem. But it's disgusting what people want to do. And speaking of the demand, especially since a lot of us. Um, have been in isolation and at home um, and uh, men are visual men and uh, I'd like just to just lightly talk about this uh, related to pornography and um, actually seeing stuff and buying stuff sometimes uh, those guys uh, that are on this call that may be thinking I'm not participating in human trafficking but I would love for you to share your perspective, um, Detective, if you could talk a little bit about that. And then we'll, uh, I'd like to learn a little bit more about how the police works alongside of organizations like United Abolitionists. But let's first talk about this topic related to the demand. So I look at the demand as if, you know, the reason why uh, Amazon is so popular because the demand, the lower cost, the demand for certain products, right? So if you want to go online and, um, you know, you want some of Amazon, let's say that you need a new tool or something. And uh, so the first thing you do is go on Amazon, you find the tool, you shop for it, and then you buy it, right? And then it show up at your door, and then now you have your new tool. So that's the same way human trafficking occur, right? So buyers, John's buyers, tricks, those certain, you know, Things that we go by, the buyers will go on. Let's say they're watching, you know, they have a need for something. They have a, you know, they're lonely, you know, they're home during COVID, you know, they're home a lot, and they're able to start dating, they're not able to meet people, and they feel lonely and isolated. And they start watching 
you know, different various things on TV. They started watching, you know, which transitioned to porn, which transitioned to the need that they need to fulfill. Because porn is not fulfilling that need. The loneliness is not filling the need. So then you go online, right? You go online, you start shopping for the right girl, and you order that girl up. The girl show up at your door. You engage in commercial sex. You give her money. The girl leave. The girl that walked through the door. Did you have any idea how that girl got? There, right? Was the girl beat? Was she forced into it? Was the girl was a girl or boy? Was it a child that walked through the door? Right? Was it a child that walked through the door? Those questions that those buyers can care less about. The only thing they care about is satisfying that need. Right, um, but that person who walked through the door has been victimized, right? Has been probably bought and sold that day, probably between 15 to 20 times, right? Through our investigation, um, you know, those are the numbers that I know that I have been able to document and to verify that's how many times some of these children and um, women are being sold. So the need for it, the buyers and the demand for it have to be educated, right? And that's one reason why we're here talking about it. So we guys, you know, so we can share the information that we know. And so that's how simple it is to buy a human being here in the United States, right? That's how simple it is. It take a matter of, of it take a matter of minutes to just find what you like and have them show up at your door. And that's a problem, right? Uh, we have to we have to educate the community, the buyers, which males like us. And I also want everyone to understand that we got into this over seven years ago. We thought it was just like everyone else. We thought you know it was a certain type of trafficking, a pimp. So trafficking was nothing but a pimp. And we thought it was a you know you know pimps was glorified, right? With the straw hats, the trench coats, you know, just you know they're glorified. It was cool to women out and when we got into this that's what we were expecting but now we get guys in business we get um we get boyfriends we get mothers we get sisters who pimp out their sisters uh so we get so we don't put a title we don't put a certain type of uh image on a trafficker to us Anybody and everybody can be a trafficker. And that helps our investigation and that helps us share the information to educate the community and also to inform them on who the buyers and who the traffickers are and to keep a clear mind on what to look for. It's not the person. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, Chaplain, Chaplain Jones, I know that you're yes. probably sitting back. You've got a couple of questions that you'd like to ask. You know, I'm just sitting and listening to this, and, and again, I think my question continues to resonate in the same place. You know, obviously, this is a, a challenge, but and instead of using that word challenge, it, it is a sin moral issue. And as believers, especially for the believers of Christ, how do we be able to get the, uh, can you give us some practical tips of how we can actually just, we see it, as you were saying earlier, that people saw, people saw this child being, abducted and they didn't do anything can you give us some uh, I mean I know it sounds like common sense pick up a phone uh, notify somebody uh, can we throw some kind of awareness out there to just say hey this is this is something we have to we have to do as citizens uh, I understand our passions uh, but how do we make this a passion for people and not just say well it's not happening to me it's not happening to my child I don't know anybody that's So, uh, go ahead, so as a man of God, right? So as a man of God, we are asked to, to work, to provide, right? To make sacrifices, to be accountable for your actions, to be heroic, you know, to be the leader of the house, be strong, be the husband, to be the father. We are acts of these be compassionate, right? So we are, we are asked to be those things as the men of God. So if you are asked to be those things as the men of God, then why is it you're not being that man and educating yourself 
and to not turn a blind eye to what happened, to what's going on. Now you have the information. What are you going to do with it? You know, are you going to keep it to yourself? You're going to still think it, you know, it doesn't exist. You know, are you going to think that, um, well, it doesn't affect my household, so I'm not worried about it, right? So as a man of God, how can you turn a blind eye to it and just say, okay, well, you know, they did a great panel. Everyone spoke well. We did a good job. I learned some stuff, but I'm done with it. I strongly challenge you all to continue on educating yourself. This is a huge step right now. Now you're informed, right? So now you can't turn a blind eye as a man of God, right? So I encourage you to, to stay informed, to go further out and to, you know, to educate yourself even more on what you can do, to get involved in your communities, you know, to join one of our local task forces in human trafficking, right? We're always looking for uh, great people who can provide, volunteers who can't provide. We're always looking for that. But we look for those who can provide and be part of the task force and come through when we need you as well, right? So be that, man. We, you know, we're always looking for strong, God-abiding males who can come to and be a part of these task forces and provide and then be able to share the information they learn. So join our local task force if you can and make sure you can provide something for your community. So I always encourage that. So I challenge you to do that. So I challenge you to be a mentor to other people. Um, you, know, you know, especially as males, I challenge you to speak to young male adults. And that's where we're starting. I mean, we may get it as adults, but what about our young people? What about our young people who who so attached to social media and the image is to be disrespectful to women and to treat them as a, you know, as a, a, a um, like an item, correct? So that's the image they have nowadays. To be disrespectful to women, to, you know, to look at them like they're, you know, they're nothing but an object. That's what's out there. And if you don't see that, you're all blind to it, right? That's the image that's been projected and shared with young people. So I always encourage you to, go to, to, to educate young males on how to treat a woman and the, worthy, the work that a woman has and the meaningful behind it. That's, uh, that's extremely important. That will, that will go a long way fighting human trafficking. Because when you demean a female and she look at her as nothing but a property, then and that continue to um, cause the issue that we have right now. But when you value a woman, you look at her more, right, than what uh, traffickers look at them. So I always encourage you to educate young males to teach them about human trafficking so they can share with other people and share with the community and social media. Um, so volunteer your time, uh, meet with your local, remember what I said at the beginning, meet with your local politicians, let them know, hey, what are you doing to fight human trafficking? And um, so that's extremely important that you do that. So those are a few things that I challenge everybody on here, you know, to do, which is very simple thing, right? That's good. And just be a part of the community. Hey, David, let me, let, me, can, let me just ask this question another way real quick, and I, I know we're pressed for time. But as a mother, as a father, as somebody out there, can you just give us a couple quick signs of what, when you're looking and you see something, can you give us some signs that we may not notice that that is what is actually happening? Are there signs that, 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 that this is taking place and you can go, boom, I see that. So, Sar Sergeant Bakeman, why don't you feel that one? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's numerous signs that you're going to pick up on. Um, one of the big ones is a different crowd they're going to be hanging out with. They're going to be hanging out with people um, especially older males that may be looking to traffic them um, possessions um, you know most of our children you know they get their money from mom and dad but now all of a sudden people are coming home with new clothes expensive clothes new watches new phones if you see multiple phones that you're not paying for um, odds are this money is coming from somewhere where is it coming from um, social media is a huge one you know I understand there's a fine line of being too strict with your children and giving them the freedom that they need. But you have to keep a tie on what they're doing, who they're hanging out with, who who are the parents of their friends, what do they do? Um, social media, I mean, these, these traffickers are just fishing on social media and throwing out messages to thousands of girls at a time, hoping they get one. And if they get one, it was worth it to them. 
Um, so you have to educate the kids um, on what to look for. You know, these models. Sergeant, Sergeant Bakeman, let me ask you about that because this is a very interesting conversation because when you think about human trafficking, you think about where they've actually captured somebody, but you could have human trafficking where they've just captured an image. So a girl could post an image of herself and that can be then sold, right? So flush that out a little bit more. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, you know, Maurice was saying earlier about the, the pornography side of it, especially now with the um, COVID pandemic, um, these girls are locked up in their houses and whatnot. The Johns or the customers are also locked up in their houses. So they're turning to the internet and looking for the immediate gratification. And there's a demand again, several cases right now where we're, we're talking 40 to 50 to 60 year old men are talking to juvenile females about, hey, I want bondage pictures. I want scantily clad pictures. I want nude pictures. I want this, I want that. And the females say, okay. And that's the other thing that's um, allowing it to happen is Venmo, Cash App, all these, that's another sign. If you see that on your phone, your kid's phone and you're not using the apps, ask them, why do they have Cash App? Why do they have Venmo? Because that's paid or the internet. And it's just easy, easy, yeah. easy. For them to become victims out there right now very sad i want to i want to drill this home i want to drill this home to you guys the next time that you get tempted to look at pornography just recognize that you're participating in human trafficking i mean I, a lot of guys never think about that that image has been s sold and uh you're right there so let that be something that keeps you stronger it, dave just to touch on that real quick is uh in florida state statute um a customer of human trafficking of a minor. So if it's as so much of buying a picture, going on a date, whatever it may be, you are also guilty of a life felony. You're facing minimum man, min man life felony in prison. So it's not just the traffickers that are facing these sentences, it's also the Johns. So luckily we have very a good. it's very aggressive for that. Tomas, I'm gonna, uh, as we wrap up here, um, I think your organization is in a great position to attract volunteers like Jane Shugert and others. What What's the one challenge in, in a minute that you could actually share with all the men, how they could, if they want to get involved, how do they do that? Sure. So we, um, particularly the men, we do have a demand prevention uh, program. And we have uh, um, Marcos, who uh, has been meeting with guys. He's, he's had a group uh, before COVID-19 that if someone was struggling with pornography or um, sex addiction, and it's 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 you know it's severe, then we refer to the proper therapist. But we you know we believe in accountability, and uh, you know I love what uh, Sergeant Bateman said, and what we're emphasizing, David, is there's a root to the bad fruit. There would not be human tra sex trafficking if there wasn't a demand. So we need to address the demand as well. And so men can. Uh, uh, get a hold of us um, at my email uh, or, you know, um, connect with, with you and connect with, with us if they want to uh, get more involved, have a training. We believe in education. Uh, knowledge is power. And so maybe we can come to your, your small group or, um, you know, we just are our, our, our part of our, our mission is to equip and educate. Excellent. Well, I would tell you, Andy, if you want to close up with a couple of comments, and um, I'm going to go ahead and ask for Detective Edwards and Sergeant Bakeman and Tomas and Greg to go ahead and turn down your cameras. But as you guys do, turn off your cameras and your mics. Just We're so thankful for the work that each one of you guys do in our community and your organizations. Thank you guys for being a part of this panel this morning. Thank you for your education. Thank you. Yeah, David, thank you for, uh, first of all, for inviting me to be on here as, uh, as to praying for us this morning, but uh, also the surprise announcement that I was going to be your co-host this morning. I do appreciate <laughs> As you started out by saying that, you know, what we mean to each other, uh, I have said this publicly, I've said it privately, but I want to say it in front of these men and God, that you and um, and David uh, David Ogden are some of the most closest to the top two or three people in my life. Uh, that I just look for, I glean for, I just listen to. And when, even though we had a cancellation of the person or whatever the conflict was, I can't think of a better person to have host this particular one other than you and David this morning to do this topic. 
so needed, so appreciated that you had it. Obviously, it's a hard topic, but all it takes for evil to continue to succeed is for us to do absolutely nothing. So now that we've had a seed planted in us, that this is a prevalent problem. This is a problem that we have in our society, in our community. It is up to us to not just let that go into a shelf and just go, it's not important or it doesn't affect me. It does. It affects It affects us all. And so thank you for broaching this tough, this uh, subject. It's, it's a tough one. But uh, I know that I, I, I love what you're saying, bro. It's I, I think there's a lot of uh, people, uh, men in particular, that are listening to us that never thought that by looking at pornography that they may be participating or funding human trafficking. Mm-hmm. They never thought that. And that's an eye opener. And um, so, you know, I, I would like love to speak directly to the men that are on this call. And if you're a female, um, we really are, are thankful that you joined us. Um, but if uh, if you'd like, you can. I'd love to just talk to the guys just for a minute. So women, you're welcome to, to hang on. But I would encourage you if you want, you could uh, go ahead and turn off your uh, your cameras or whatnot. And um, and I'm just going to just be real with the men for just a minute. Um, pornography is an issue. There's no question about it. And now we know. Now we know that images that we look at, we participate in seeing, or we we purchase, that we're part of the problem. And um, when I think about what police officers do in terms of their rescue and running towards the chaos, man. I just don't want to take it for granted, the fact that they're rescuing women out of this, and I don't want to participate in any form or any fashion. And one of those young girls, that could be my daughter. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's daughter. Um, and when I think about police officers to transition, because the second thing I really wanted to emphasize in this this time together is the great work that they do in this space, Andy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, I think about... I think about a police officer and I I think about our Lord, how he's rescued. And I think about how many times in the New Testament that he rescued. He rescued Mm -hmm. Peter. He rescued the soldier's ear that got cut off by Peter. He rescued the thief that was on the cross. He rescued me by dying on the cross. And I think about, you know, that Jesus ran towards the danger Mm -hmm. and he rescued me. And so for those of you guys that have this addiction, there's, there's, there is rescue. Um, I, I mentioned this on a video post the other day is that for those of us on this call that call ourselves Christ followers, we may not necessarily have the cure for COVID, but we do have the cure for hopelessness and depression and despair. And uh, Jesus is the only way that you can overcome addiction to alcohol, drugs, or pornography. He's the one that can fill that hole for you. And so, Andy, I know that uh, you've got some closing comments related to that, um, but we are buttoned up against the time. And, and I'm very thankful for all of you guys that joined us. And technology is fun. Um, I know that this is totally different than being in a live audience, but I'm so thankful for those of you guys that hung in there with the di- different freezes and everything else that may have come. But, Andy, why don't you have some closing comments and then close this in prayer. And then I know if you guys want to hang in there, Mike's got a couple of great videos to also uh, show us at the end. Okay. Well, okay, David, once again, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. And uh, you've given so much information for us here today. Uh, to, to, I want to also thank you for highlighting police officers uh, through this process. Uh, they are uh, they are so important in our society. So I want to encourage you to get those cards, write those letters to those police officers, say those encouraging words. And as you've given the challenge, David, to our Ironman out there, if you see somebody at lunch, buy them, buy their lunch, buy them a soda, say something to them. It's an encouraging word. These are some challenging times that they're going through, and the morale is just really been hit really hard. So I just want to, I want to thank you for that. Um, but I also just want to challenge again for the last time that uh, for the men that are on this call, and even for the women that are on this call that maybe have challenges as well, to go before the Lord with these and saying, this is a challenge. This is something that's a, that's a sin issue within my life, and and help me to be the strong person that you call me to be, the woman or the child, the husband that you call me to be to to purify me from things. So um, there's nothing nothing wrong with uh, calling out for help, David, as you started iron sharpening up. 
I want to just go before the, oh, before I do, I just want to go before the Father, but I want to thank my chiefs for trusting me uh, to be a, the chaplain. It, it, is, it is one of the greatest honors um, outside of being a husband or father that I've ever had. And um, it is a huge responsibility, but it is not one that I take lightly. And I'm just very, very blessed to have people that uh, chaplain, uh, that trust me with their organizations and their men and women within the organization. So um, if you think of it, pray for me because it is a lot of arrows being pointed back at me and um, I'm willing to take those arrows for the kingdom as long as I know that my father is the one that's protecting me through that process. So appreciate it. If you would. Uh, I, I know that Chief Ogden has um, echoed those in terms of what compliments he's had for you and the benefit that he's had for his department by having you as his chaplain, bro. So he has equal amount of respect for you as well. Go ahead and close us in prayer. Yeah, if you go with me, gentlemen and, and ladies, if you're still on, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you tore down that veil. I thank you that we don't have to have an intermediate, someone to come inside and be with us to be able to, to, to come to you. So Father, I pray right now that each of us that are on this call, in this video chat, would just open up to you and ask you to, to be our rescuer, to purify our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray that you would ask, you would help us have eyes to see the way you see us. Give us your perspective to being able to help these young men and these young women who are trapped in a society that they don't want to be in. Father, it could be any of our kids. It could be any of our wives. It could be our niece or our nephew. Father, I pray that you will burden our hearts, that we will not allow something that we see that's suspicious to us to let it go unchecked, and that we would cry out to you that this will not be something that could happen in our society today. Lord, I thank you for the men and women that are protecting us out there in our police stations, not only in, in, in our part of town, but across the country, across our world. Father, I pray that you will protect their hearts, protect their lives, protect their shields of integrity to be the men and women that you call them to be. It is a calling to be an officer. It is a calling to serve in this capacity. So I ask you for your protection, for your provision, for you to be able to enlighten their heart, lighten their hearts to understand that it is good what they're doing. No greater love than a man or a woman who give their life for you, Father. And I just thank you for them today. I pray that you are giving a word of encouragement to them. And again, I want to thank you, Lord, for my, my dear brother, uh, David Hill, today, for, for taking this subject on and being the leader of our Iron Man. What an awesome thing this man has done. We pray these things in your most precious and your most mighty name. And we continue to invite these men and women to be able to be a part of our community. It's in your name, Father, we pray. Amen. Thank you, David, for letting me be here today. Thanks, Andy. As uh, just one closing statement, men and ladies, if you felt sharpened this morning, Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. You feel sharpened when you feel challenged. If you felt challenged this morning, let this be a, a pivot opportunity for you to change direction of where you were going. So, Mike, thank you for hosting us this morning. I know it's about uh, four or five o'clock over there in California, whatever. Uh, go ahead and play the last two videos for us. Thanks, Andy.